phone's right over there. Hold it. Ain't too often I get a pair of weasels to shoot at this close. folks and uh welcome to the Civ Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill. And with me tonight is a very special guest you've heard of the show before. Mr. Lee Russell from the Must Be Destroyed on Site Podcast. How you doing, sir? Oh great. Uh thanks for having me. Always good to be on. Oh yeah for sure. Thanks for uh thanks for coming on, you know. It's uh it's always good to have friends I could count on the clutch and Lee's one of those guys and uh <laughs> not like all those other pieces of garbage. Oh they are terrible fucking people. They are man <laughs> No, man, like I said, I, I'll say this all the time. I, I hope you guys are digging where we're laying down, because uh, this is, um, not that I wasn't, you know, happy in my skin doing podcasting, but I'm, I'm a lot less stressed now doing it the way we're doing it now with the scheduling, and um, it, it, it'll, it'll grate on your brain, that scheduling thing, and uh, it's it's, it's mm. no longer a thing, and um, my mind is clear, and um, my my mind and spirit aren't going uh, north and south anymore, like uh old uh, Dennis Dunn would say in uh, Big Trouble Little China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm doing good, though. But um, I'm going to ask Lee, um, what you been watching lately, sir? Um, I haven't been watching a lot of stuff outside of what I've been doing for uh, my podcast, but I did catch uh, The Incredibles Part 2 the other day. And... I know Daniel was at a fan. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think Daniel was more or less just kind of disappointed that it was kind of the same movie as the first Incredibles. He was kind of hoping that after so many years between the two films um, and having had so many superhero films between the two films that it would like try to up its game a bit and and do something really different. And it really doesn't. And I don't mind that all that much, honestly. I, again, it's kind of like the best sort of Fantastic Four movie we currently have, you know, yeah. same kind of same kind of idea, but I liked it a lot. Um, I mean, visually, it's it's a fucking stunner. Um, the jokes, for the most part, land. Um, I didn't feel like there was as much danger of the, the heroes losing in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt it felt a little bit more nerfed than the first film. The first film had straight up superheroes being killed yes. and it, yeah and it had a darker edge to it whereas this one was much more yeah this is a family-friendly disney movie and i'm all right with that but it, it makes you wonder if it's how dark the, the first one is i mean disney's not shy about killing parents within the first five minutes of their movie mm. but um how much studio involvement was in in the plot of this film because like he said there was 
murdered heroes all over that first film, and this one's yeah. um, this one has those no such subplot. It is it is essentially the Jack Jack show, and I, I do I do enjoy the Mister Mom aspect of everything. That, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I liked it. Um, I, I I get why Daniel didn't didn't like it, but um. And 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 he did say on our uh, best and worst of show uh, that it was more of a disappointment than it really was a bad movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, so there you go. But yeah, that's 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 kind of it, really. Like everything else is lately has just been for the podcast. So gotcha. Yeah, I haven't watched a, a ton either. But meaning to get to some stuff, but you know, it's it's like it's like a real cats in the cradle thing where you where you had this podcast mm-hmm. thing going on. You know? Yeah. Um, but I did watch um. What is it called now? Damn it! It's got Melissa McCarthy in it. It's, a, it's her, her latest effort that I really happen to enjoy. Hmm. Uh, I'll go in one second. Yeah, I don't. See. I don't think I know any of her movies. She was in the female Ghostbusters, I, right? I do. Yeah, that's like that's like the silly stuff, man. I enjoy the more serious stuff. And I'll mention the one that I watched after it first. The re- rewatch. I watched Saint Vincent because of the, the, this movie that I'm looking to see the title for. Uh, first, which I think is a great Bill Murray effort during during the time where he's like you know being humble and stuff, and mm. and um, it's got a great dynamic with him and this kid that he he's forced to babysit, and of course he's a real slob. He goes to the track, he drinks, he has a, a hooker <laughs> girlfriend played by by Naomi Watts, so it's kind of hilarious, and um, hmm. this kid like they become like uh like friends and stuff in a way, in, in a way to say you know. You know, kid, your crap in my style, but I'll keep you around for a while, kind of deal, until you know real life hits and you know something happens to him. And it's really it's it's Elizabeth McCarthy. It's Elizabeth McCarthy. I enjoy besides Spy. I do enjoy Spy because I think she plays again. She's not playing this boisterous person. She's kind of playing it humble, but kind yeah. of being like this unsuspecting action star in that movie. So if you want to pull the trigger on Spy, people, you guys should watch Spy. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't like a, I don't oh, I don't like it when I don't like it when they uh, just use her as oh she's the female Chris Farley uh, that seems like a waste of her. And, and that's sad because people think of her like that, but if you watch the dramatic stuff that she's in, she's not like that at all, and I really dig it. Oh, uh, the one I'd watched it, I've seen previews for in like the last six movies that I actually went to the theater to go see was called Can You Can You Ever Forgive Me, in which uh, she's a writer who doesn't have any work. So she decides to forge letters from more famous writers and sell them on like to like literary people, huh. and of course the FBI gets involved and everything else. It's a it's a dramatic movie, but she um she plays real well in it, and like I said, I, I like her like this d- doing uh this dramatic stuff. And Richard E. Grant is in there. I, uh, he's I, that was like so fucking random. I was like I didn't see that guy nothing in a long time. But I, I really, uh, I really dug it, and I recommend it for somebody who wants to see that that other side of Melissa McCarthy. And uh, besides that, I, um, Suzanne knew I was poor, so she purchased the League for me on Voodoo when it was on sale. So I've been watching a whole lot of the League again, rewatching oh, yeah. it. And so be prepared to get more references that you guys do not understand in the show because that's one of my favorite shows in probably the past ten years because it's so fucking funny and good comedy people and. Of course, Mark Duplass is, is doing the horror stuff now, Creep and whatnot. You guys right. check those movies out. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, not a whole lot. Oh, what, what I forgot now. Was it called The Passage? The TV show The Passage with, with uh, 
Mark Paul Gosler. I think it's on, it's on Fox. I wouldn't recommend that TV show. I, I watched the, the pilot, and it's like a show that that this a show that wants to be the strain but just sucks. It's <laughs> it's it's really boring, and I I don't I don't recommend it to anybody to watch because I can't get into it. And if you is it a what, is it a vampire? Is it a vampire show? It's there's like a disease out there or something, and they're after this. It's like gives you like a bloodlust to okay. where you want to drink blood, but I don't know if you're quite a vampire or not. I think you just have the lust to drink blood. Oh, okay. It's one, it's one of those gray areas. I don't know, but they're after this this little girl who happens to, to, to have a, the budding version of this because they, they're convinced that the younger the younger person they get that would have this disease that the, the better they had to find a cure, and it's just really boring. I, I, can't, I can't get behind it, you know. I've seen that idea used a lot lately in horror, especially with like, um, like either like, you know, zombie infected films or, or anything that's sort of like that with like, oh, here's the young child that has, you know, is either immune or has the possibility to have the cure synthesized from her blood and we have to protect her. So, you know, child in peril, uh, horror premise kind of thing. The girl with all the gifts does it real well. I enjoyed that one. But yeah, that that show sucks. I wouldn't. It's it's just one of those things I took a chance on, and sometimes it, it wins. Sometimes there's a whole lot of losers out there, and that's a that's a loser to me. And uh, I, it was like one of the most anticipated series ever. Yada yada yada. They they were advertising it, and of course I was wholeheartedly disappointed. You know, yeah. Ugh, whatever. I'm done with that. But uh, <laughs> next next segment would be uh, the segment where we uh, we vent a bit. Are the beef bitches I mashed potatoes? Okay, who gets the barley uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order gets fries. The barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? I heard that. Lee, uh, got anything you want to vent about, sir? Anything in your. Um... Hit your craw? I'm a little perturbed, um, and I, the, the, I just, I actually, I hate myself more complaining about this. I just sound like a some sort of spoiled first world asshole more than anything else. But um, so Netflix has increased their prices again, or they're doing so in February. Yeah, and I'm all right with that. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, from a, what I was paying was like eleven dollars to thirteen dollars. Fine, whatever. That's fine. I just wish Netflix would be much easier to use and would be much more concerned about giving you as much information about the films you're watching than giving you this really super streamlined service that tells you basically nothing about the movies and plays trailers automatically whenever you roll your mouse over it. Oh, it's so lame. I, I fucking hate it, man. At least on and, Facebook you can turn it off, you know, to do that, you know. Oh, can you? on Facebook you can you can't do it on Netflix I don't think uh, yeah fucking I just I get tired of that like you know you're in the middle of the night and you you wanna you're just laying in bed and you're rolling over uh, movie titles and all of a sudden trailers start playing you have to actually click down into them to get a description and usually the descriptions of the movies are pretty shit in, in the first place but on top of that it's you know how they sort of uh how they sort of stagger all their genres and stuff now like 
everything's simplified, you know, that you, you no longer have like all the divisions of horror unless you actually go into like say you want to find um a certain kind of zombie horror movie. You can't get it from the main menus. You either have to go to a website telling you what code to put in or you actually have to find a movie that fits that description and then you can click one of the little uh, tags in the actual uh, movie description for like, you know, infected zombies or whatever the hell. And then you can go to a whole list of movies that are, you know, uh, um, that are sort of uh, put in that category. But if you don't, you know, if if you don't uh, know how to do that right off the bat, like if you don't know the special URL or whatever, you're you're basically spending way more time surfing Netflix than you are watching Netflix because you have to trudge through all this crap. Like all, hey, I want to see new releases and I want a specific new release for a specific genre. Oh, there happens to be eight thousand Hindi movies they just got the rights to mm -hmm. that also fit that genre. And oh god, I got to fucking troll through those things. So it, it is it is kind of annoying. I wish they would, for such a premium service that does so many things well, I wish they'd be, just be able to do the basics and make it user-friendly with the interface. Oh, well, the Netflix kick, though, you know, and I get all that. I, I get the same problems, which I don't even use it all that much anymore. If there's something interesting on there to watch, I'll, I'll watch on there. I keep it for my cousins, and X uses my Netflix, and there's a couple other people who use it. I just keep it for them because I know... Mm -hmm. They use their service, I use their services, you know, so it's like a real share thing. So, but um, yeah. the thing I really like about Netflix is, you know, they have projects on there that they, they, they picked up. They call them Netflix originals, but they're not always Netflix originals. Right. Some of them they push pretty hard. Some of them they just leave by the wayside. Like, mm -hmm. I just learned, like, randomly that there's this Korean vampire show, vampire or some, something, it's a Korean horror a series called The Kingdom on there and that I hear great things about it, but I heard nothing about it promoting it from Netflix to say, hey, watch this new Korean, you know, uh, horror, horror series. They, it, could, it could be really good. And I hear it's yeah, really good. They do, they do tend to bury stuff, like, w weirdly. I mean, even when they promote something big, sometimes they only do it a few days ahead of time, like The Punisher, the new season of The Punisher. I think they only... I think they only start promoting it like a few days before it had actually showed up on yeah. on the actual service. So it's like, wow, really? You're like you're 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 relying on other people to promote your stuff for you and just hope everyone gravitates towards it or whatever. It, it makes no sense. And a movie like um, uh, I seem to recall like uh, Apostle, which is a pretty good horror movie. Nobody that, talked about it like as far as promotion goes. Nobody yeah. did. So it's like it, it's it's very. Uh, confusing you just end up scratching your head some of the stuff they choose to promote and i guess it's just how much money gets thrown their way <laughs> if, if, if it's not stranger things or house of cards or orange is the new black they don't push it and it oh. kind of angers me a little bit because there's some nuggets in there that you may not have even heard of that you can explore but they don't they don't push them like that yeah. i remember when, when the second season of big mouth came on there that's easy, easily, easily the funniest show they have on their whole fucking thing. Is it's it was pushed like way, way in the back of the new releases when it came out. Like usually, if something drops that day, it should be right in the forefront to say, "Hey, watch this. It's new. It, you might like it." But they did that, and there's some other show that I dug into because uh, I really like um, 
Key from Key and Peel. I forget his, his full name, but um, uh, friends from college or friends in college, something like that. Mm. Or he's on there. Fred Savage is on there. Huh. Second season's way better than the first, so don't get discouraged. I really dig it. But again, it gets no play. It just sits there. But they'll, they'll push, you know, like that fire documentary, which I can give I give a fuck about rich people getting, getting stranded on an island. I give a fuck mm. about that shit. <laughs> I laughed at that shit when that happened. Like, yeah, you guys are fucking assholes anyway, spending all that money, and then you got stuck with nothing to do at all. It's, it's yeah. Kind of, man. <laughs> I just, it's just stuff I don't give a fuck about that they push like crazy, and the stuff that you, you should be discovering, you know, is there. But when Amazon gets a new thing, it's right there. It's right there in your face. You can watch Sneaky Pete or Bosch or um, Man, or, or Man, the Man of the High Castle, that the one? Yeah. Yeah, you can watch that. It's, it's there. It's, it's, it's right there in your face to say, here, this is new. Watch this. I guess because they give the shit, give a shit about their product because it's not oversaturated like Netflix is now. Yeah, although uh, <laughs> uh, Amazon is uh, is kind of like, uh, oh, you have this eighth generation VHS copy of uh, Die Hard. Let's put that up there. That's what you can watch. I, I love, I love that. The, not not the so fat so far. Me being a big blockbuster like Die Hard, but I think we had this conversation last episode about them dropping all the indie films, but. I love, and we're going to talk about one later on, that you have, like, this nugget that can be possibly crap or possibly awesome mm-hmm. on there to watch. And it's just randomly on there. Yeah. Netflix used to be that, but it's not anymore. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't have a whole lot to bitch about. You know, I just... People talking about politics while I'm at work, and I don't want to listen to that, because no. I, I work for, a newspa- for the newspaper, and it's all over the fucking headlines, and then... I know I don't know shit about politics, but we get to, like stupid people who are supposed to be educated talking about politics. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds all like the, the adults on Charlie Brown after a while. Wah, 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 yeah. wah, 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 wah. No, it, it, it sounds bad, and people just stop doing that. Um, <laughs> people, you want to talk? Don't talk about don't, no talk about politics. Listen to the Psychosomatic Podcast on the Legion Podcast Network. <laughs> Because Darren is informative and took some shit and like, dude, if you know you're, if you're if you're informed and you know you're coming from an informed place and you know what you're talking about, fuck the haters, okay? Just do what you want to do, you know. Yeah. Until the G-man knocked on your door, do what you want to do. <laughs> you know? I mean, Darren's what what Darren's podcast is is right in the description of the podcast. If you're too dumb to if you're too dumb to know what you're getting into, then it's your own fault. I, mean, I listen all the time because you know, like, like I said, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't. I just don't want to hear about it. It's everywhere, you know. Do, do I know I, I, our current president is an ass? Yeah, I know he's an ass. You know, it's just he's there though. You know. Yeah, you can't get away from him. You can't get away from him. I, just, I, I can ignore him. You know, I, not that I'm ignore, to say ignore the problem because there's a lot of problems, but I'm not gonna. I can ignore him and stupid things that he says. It's like I do every day to other people. I just ignore dumb things that they say because. I said it once before, I'll say it again. If, if the American public would just watch Schoolhouse Rock again, they'd learn more and more about how government <laughs> actually works. Okay? <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave that alone, though. Um, we had a good schmeal on Netflix here. I kind of kind of like that, too. And uh, I hear Hulu's lowering their prices because the Netflix is going up, so they're really trying to stick oh, really? it to them, I guess. Yeah. Uh, streaming. You are a fucking juggernaut. We cannot escape. Everybody's got to have their own, and, you know. 
I'm gonna, be, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be that guy that has that Disney one on the first day though, because that just sounds amazing. So that really... does sound like something that I might not deny myself. You know. Yes. But uh, tonight, uh, today, we're going to talk about two films in which there are uh, people marauding homes that that you know mean to do people harm, and uh, they're no the the possible. Hero, I wouldn't call you one of these guys fucking heroes. We'll talk about mm, that later. No. That are defending such home against uh, these uh, nefarious people, I guess. One is uh, Sunday in the Country, starring Ernest Borgnine and the great Michael J. Pollard. Not like Borgnine. Borgnine's not great, but Michael J. Pollard doesn't get as, as much credit as he deserves. I think. He's so underrated. Yeah, he's great. Still with us, too. That'd be an amazing interview. I'll have to look into that. Um... Mm. um and Straw Dogs, which is uh, the very first Peckinpah film that's ever been done on this show, so there's that. Yeah. One. And what a good you, one it is. You picked a doozy. Uh, you, you basically picked the the one that most people are offended by. So <laughs> you picked a good one to start with. Yeah, I, I can see that because there's, there's there's some stuff that happens that that uh, I was like, eh, why does he keep going back to this well? And we'll get into that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But we'll start with uh, I'm maybe gonna call it the lesser film, but the. The the, the 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 lesser film than the one that people know, the one that you guys sh- should know, uh, Sunday in the Country, uh, right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, tin cough, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult physician before listening. It is Sunday in the country. A time for peace. Hey. A time for love. A time for prayer. On this peaceful Suddenly, the peace is shattered. Citizens are warned to be on the lookout for three men dressed in business suits. They are armed and dangerous. You had a perfect right to do what you did, but now that it's done, you have to notify the police. Sunday in the Country, a quiet title for an explosive movie. Sunday in the Country from 1974, a.k.a. Vengeance is Mine, a.k.a. Blood for Blood, which is a title you could find it on Amazon Prime Video to watch if you're a subscriber for free. So, <laughs> there's that. Look for Blood for Blood. Uh, your um, plot synopsis is this. Three vicious thugs are on the run in rural America after robbing a local bank. 
They seek refuge at the, at the home of a reclusive farmer, but he is prepared on further arrival, kind of, and holds them at gunpoint and other things. Unable to let them simply wait for the law, he decides to take them into his cellar and torture them a little before the police arrive. This, of course, stars on his Borgnine. His word speaks for itself. He's a amazing actor. Yeah. Uh, Michael J. Pollard, the same. Uh, some other folks I don't recognize, except for Al Waxman, who's been in some stuff that I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I know, uh, I, I know, I of course know Al Waxman, and this is a Canadian production, so it's a Canuck exploitation. Canuck exploitation, totally by accident, yeah. too, guys. You know. Mm. Um, but I do, I do uh, recognize also. Um, I think it's uh, Sec Linder um, as Ackerman. He's the uh, the white-haired uh, criminal. I've seen him in other stuff too. He he was a Canadian uh, character actor who was in a ton of shit. So cool. Um, yeah, basic. You know, is a uh, <laughs> Ernest Borgnine is a is a good old country boy who has really real problems with his property and what is on it. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, just in the property in the description there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it to Lee first and say, what'd you think of this movie, sir? I was pleasantly surprised with this. Um, I, I, I saw the date for this, 1980, and I was like, okay, this movie... No, 1974, what am I thinking? Uh, I, I was I actually fucked up my notes here, because I was uh, the director, John Trent, got a Razzie Award in 1980 for Middle Age Crazy. That's... <laughs> so, I think the only award he ever won, too. Um, but yeah, I was, I was looking at this, and I was like, okay, this is... This looks like it's going to be a... Uh, fun little rural exploitation film. Probably going to be a lesser knockoff of something along the lines of, uh, you know, Straw Dogs, which I think in the advertising campaign for this, they said more extreme than Straw Dogs or something along those lines. Um, I would go there, but yeah, it's 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 good. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. It it's it's not as subtle as uh you might think it would end up being. Uh it actually sort of goes for a lot of uh sort of uh un- un- uncompromising and bleak kind of uh ideas here. Um I thought Borgnine's uh Borgnine's performance was really convincing. Like he's this god-fearing salt of the earth farmer who can turn into a religious zealot at the sort of uh, drop of a dime. Um, and I liked, I liked the interaction with his granddaughter. I thought, uh, Pollard especially was given a lot, a lot of freedom to just be fucking crazy and awesome in this film. And, um, I think it moves along at a really good pace too. It's, it's not like one of these exploitation films from the seventies that was just like low rent and had such a bad, script that there was all this time where nothing was happening like something's always kind of happening in this film so uh, i did like that as well man yeah i i really dug it too i mean the the acting's in the eyebrows for borgnine in this film because because uh, mm-hmm. those are really bushy and funny looking they have really up close shots of them uh your bad guys excuse me i'm not saying they're taken down pretty easily because Borgnine knew some shit was up because he kept hearing the report on the radio and he was kind of waiting waiting for something to happen because they were on the run they were on the lam yeah but when these these out of towners as you could tell they they weren't from, they weren't from this area that they 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 showed up to his farm he he knew that these were the guys maybe because you know it's a, it's he, really good. he was hoping for it like he he was he was betting on them showing up um 
And yeah, they're not like, it's kind of interesting when you go into this, you kind of think it's going to be something along the lines of last host on the left or something like that, where the thugs are the, are the, are the real menace in this film, you know, but no, these bad guys, yeah, the, uh, Pollard is trigger happy. Like he's, he's the, he's the crazy loose cannon, but the other two are almost like businessmen rather than bank robbers. Um, they, they come off like, um, they're both middle-aged guys and Pollard's a bit younger and uh, they basically walk into into uh, Borgnine's trap. He he kind of surprises them because they don't they don't expect this at all. They expect just a local yokel. But you can kind of tell as as the movie progresses that Borgnine's character is like a deeply disturbed guy who's Man. actually kind of going crazy, and he's looking for a fight. He's looking for somebody to kill and torture. Well, he he makes the whole comment, much like you know Justin Hoffman in our next film about people trespassing and this mm-hmm. and the other. He goes from like simple farmer to sadist with one shotgun blast to the neck, and you know, yeah, he don't fuck around after that. He's got him tied to posts, sitting on manure, you know, mm-hmm. just just wait, wait. And he makes the comment about you know how they can't get free because this is this is the. The thing we use for to keep the bull from getting to the cows and stuff like that. <laughs> a lot of great lines by Borgnine out of this movie. I love him. And uh, Michael J. Pollard plays a good good weasel in this movie. Just just it's a real snarky dude and yeah, a little little pug faced crazy. And like there there's a point where he, uh, Borgnine, in order to keep these guys disabled while he ties them up, he has them pull their pants down so they can't run anywhere. Yeah, it's, and, it's really and, calculated. And, mm-hmm. And, like he, and he had this this plan in his head, like before they were going to show up. And Pollard's wearing like uh, he's wearing like looks like underwear that was like fruit, fruity pebbles branded underwear or something like that. This weird, <laughs> colorful fucking undies that he was wearing, like a little kid's underwear or something. It was it was kind of funny. These <laughs> are the only undies I can afford. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, once once that happens, I don't want to give away crazy spoilers in this film because there's, there's you guys should all watch this. Like I said, it's on Amazon Prime. It's it's called Blood for Blood on there. Mm-hmm. And um, but the breakdown of his character and his relationship with his granddaughter because she just looks at him with like disgust with every move that he makes, and she should. Yeah, because because Borgnine is a sadist in this movie. He just he just keeps getting progressively worse. Like yeah, this and now I'm gonna do this. Because it'd be real simple for in, in, the, in the story, their phones down, not because the bad guys cut the line or anything, which is a trope of many films. Just the, they live in a real far off country place, and their phone lines mm-hmm. are down, so they can't call the police. But they have every every opportunity to take the truck to go to the police once he has them detained. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna do some shit and teach these teach these young punks some respect, you know, shit yeah. like that, and. It's getting worse and worse. I'm going to go tie him in the fruit cellar now and, and probably go put this, this car battery up to their ball sacks and this movie was a little more extreme. But oh, he, he's got a... He's got a I mean, he, he, he wants to kill these guys. Like, he, he's not going to let them go. Um, and he, he doesn't want to be found out doing it either. Like, he's obviously a character who's snapped. As, as, it, as it goes along, you discover that um, basically Lucy's uh, mother ran away from him and his wife years and years ago and never came back. And Lucy is basically come back on her own, I guess, to, to visit old grandpa and, and see how he's doing. And uh, you get the impression that, uh, Borgnine due to his, uh, due to his more God fear inside, um, 
probably put his wife in an early grave and pushed his daughter away uh, with all of his moralizing and, and old-fashioned views. And they also make a, a note of of showing Borgnine sort of isolating himself from the community. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause early on there's like talks about uh, a farmer's union or whatever, where they're going to like stand up to the government and, and, and keep their rights for their farm and stuff. And Borgnine's given up. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to the meeting. I'm just going to sit on my farm and, and, and do my thing. So um, he's old fashioned they, that way. See? Yeah. So they do throw in some, little extra like uh, societal pressures and things like that, that have sort of pushed him right to the edge of society where he's just gone totally crazy. And it slowly sort of comes out in the film and it's done really well. It helps that you have a guy like Borgnine who knows how to subtly build up to these moments rather than just go all out and crazy like a less lesser actor would do. It's not entirely off though, because if you talk to like a lot of old country folks, you know, that, mm-hmm have, like, you know, people that are older, like, that were around for, like, the Depression and stuff like that. Yeah. They, they pass stories on to their people, their, 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 their children. And they'll tell you, you know, th- these are people that, that kept their money in mattresses because they didn't trust banks. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's I'm sure him him being this way, as far as, like, I don't need any help from the government, yada, 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 isn't that far off in, in, in the character or even the people that were living there at the time. It, it, yeah. You know, if this wasn't Canada, you know, but it is. <laughs> it ain't no wrong with that. They they, they captured the, the the country really well from not being like in like Alabama or, or Kentucky or something like that. And mm-hmm. so I, I give kudos to this and the other film because well they actually shot the other film in the UK. Yeah, but, um, yeah. But he his breakdown with the granddaughter is is great, and there's really what I love about it the most is they give they give you that small story about the mother leaving him I mean the daughter leaving him mm-hmm. they really don't say why they really don't really give you any exposition that he may have been like have like like loose, loose cannon you know all they yeah. all, all really really get is to say you know what that he's really really not fond of people using the name Lord in vain the Lord's name in vain and the fact that as long as you live in my house you're going to church on Sunday right that, that he's a real holy roller and he's not going to miss Sunday service for some some girl in her modern music, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, he's always asking her to turn down the radio, and he's he's shocked when she the, that green dress she wears. It's you know not super sexy or anything, but you know it, it's definitely not an old old style church going to church clothes kind of thing. And he's like, "You're wearing that to church," and. And and the and the funny thing is nobody else is offended by it. None, none of the other people in town. Everyone else in town is like you get the sense they're like a generation removed from him. Yes. Where they're they're all much more modern. And you're very much right, Gary. Um, it, it seems like he's a guy who was probably like a kid during the depression, and he grew up with that mistrust of government and and keep to yourself kind of attitude. And he's like an outlying uh, farmer or whatever in the community. So. Um, I think that's why he also expected the bank robbers to show up at his place uh, because he's probably the first place they had run into as they entered the county. He's probably like the the most far, furthest from town. So, well, they knew they were in farm country because they they may even make mention when they're on the on the lamb running through the woods that mm-hmm. you know we'll stop at the first farm that we find, and they yeah. they, they picked the wrong one because they had eyebrows um, Borgnine there just to say hey, yeah, I, this is my shotgun. Don't don't fuck with me. And by the way, honey, just I told you to go upstairs. Listen to your records. Listen to your yeah. records. You know. 
Yeah. That that girl is just terrified. It, it's kind mm-hmm. of spectacular. Rightly so. Yeah, she's she's the she's the moral center of the film. So. And then it it doesn't end. I mean, I I looked at you know after you know what happens in the end happens and mm-hmm. there's like six more minutes filmed. I was like, what's going to happen next? Is like there can't be six minutes of credits and then something else happens. And, yeah. You know. And then everything is 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 fixed, I guess, yeah, except for his, <laughs> his mortal soul because he's just tortured and killing people. You know? Yeah, I mean he's 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 totally been pushed over the edge, and uh, Pollard was already there, and <laughs> so oh, yeah. and in a way they they all sort of get they both get punished for for the the, the bad things they do because Borgnine he's obviously going to be either arrested or hunted down and killed probably. It's, it's or, real loose in the end there. Mm. Like, oh, or he these... becomes, or he becomes the uh, antagonist in a slasher film two years later. You know, oh, in a sequel. You know, I need a sequel. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it happened, but that'd be amazing. Borgnine takes Manhattan. Well, there's that. Um, what's that one? It's the one of Rod Steiger, uh, American Gothic. I think it's called. Yeah, that's kind good. of a similar similar premise Michael to this. Michael Pollard's in, in that too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, that that's what I put on a double bill with this. By the way, that's where I'd go. Nice. Oh, I'm gonna leave it at that. I think you guys should look for it though on Amazon Prime. Blood for Blood is called. Not Sunday in the Country. Mm. Uh, it's really enjoyable. I'm Lee. Um, anything else? And what do you give it? One to ten. Uh, I'm gonna give this a solid seven. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm, honestly, I'm probably going to rewatch it, so my uh, my score might actually go up uh, a little bit. Um, I kind of rushed through it today, so but uh, even there, I, I enjoyed it a lot. So solid seven on this one. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna stick with that seven too. I, I'm looking. I'm I'm kind of looking into getting that Blu-ray now because there's an all-region Blu-ray that's coming out by some niche label. Hmm. It's, uh, I think it comes out this Tuesday, but it's um it's it's a British company putting it out. And from the reviews I've read, the print is in proper aspect ratio. It's not wide screen. It's not full screen, and it looks very, very much more watchable than the copy that we watch. So, um, <laughs> I think that I, I, I might pick that up if I'm feeling froggy about it and want to spend twenty five bucks on it. And because uh, I really enjoyed my time with it, and um, I think if you guys watch it, you guys will too. Because it's like an hour and a half that really didn't stop. So yeah, and that's hard to do in a film like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's really rare when you see a, a film in this sort of genre from this sort of time period. Um, either it's really good or it's got moments of brilliance and then a lot of crap in between, and this isn't one of those. It's actually really good. So Cool. Next, uh, we're going to talk about Freaky David Gale and Bearded Dudes and... Dustin Hoffman with a girl way out of his league in Straw Dogs. After this. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. 
It takes a powerful goddess like Connie to jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did be a you rough watch one. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. I'll give you one more chance. And if you don't clear out now, there'll be real trouble. I mean it. This is David Sumner. All his life, he's been running away, turning his back on trouble, involvement, and confrontation. Until now. There are five men out there. I know that. He took his wife and fled to an English country town. There was once a time, Mrs. Sumner, when you are ready to beg me for it. Take your hands off me. Mm. I'm going. Huh? Mm. An animal. He thought he could find peace and refuge. Instead, he found that a man can't hide forever. I care. This is where I live. I will not allow violence against this house. Sam Peckinpah, who uncaged the wild bunch, now unleashes Dustin Hoffman in Straw Dogs. Straw Dogs from 1971 uh, by the great filmmaker Sam Peckinpah. Like I said, the very first Sam Peckinpah on this show after 133 episodes, I think. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, plot synopsis is this. A young American and his English wife come to rural England and face increasingly vicious local harassment. Uh, this stars uh, Dustin Hoffman, Susan George, Peter Vaughn. Who else we got in here? I mentioned David Gale before we came on. He looked like fucking Frankenstein with a mop top. Uh, you, mean, you mean David Warner? David though, Warner, not David Gale. David Warner. Yeah. David Gale's another actor. Um. Yeah, this has a nice Blu-ray. I did. I want to pick up because I, this is the first time mm-hmm. I've ever seen this film. Uh, it's a Criter- Cri- Criterion joint, so pick the. But I'm gonna come. I'm gonna start with you again, Lee, Lee and uh, ask you uh, what you think about Straw Dogs. I know this is a not not a real good hard question, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Peck and Paul is one of my favorite film makers. This is probably one of the films of his that I've seen the least though, I, I imagine. And I think it was just because I was hesitant to get to it, uh, back in the day because I'm not a big fan of rape revenge films. And that's what this is kind of known and marketed as, but it's not really that it's really at a small all part of the movie. Yeah. 
it, it's much more a, a sort of like a siege narrative kind of thing and a, uh, you know, uh, young, urbane, urban uh, protagonist against a village full of rural people who don't trust him and don't like him. Um, and this, I think this film is really misunderstood and it's really kind of criticized unfairly in a lot of ways. I think it's a really good tense kind of uh, siege film. I think it builds up its tension very well. Like the, the small little jabs that, that start out with the locals, uh, you know, eyeball and Susan George. And I mean, who can, you can't really help them there. I mean, <laughs> even the, even, even the, the most nice respectable, uh, dude in town is going to be looking at Susan George, uh, well, a couple times. She's not wearing a bra at any point in this movie. So no. Uh, and, and it sort of, you know, escalates like they, they keep picking on Dustin Hoffman because he's a bit of a meek guy who's introverted and, um, and doesn't stand up for himself. Um, eventually it gets to the point where it's, it's basically about him coming out of his shell and, and finding the, uh, the inner sort of rage monster that's actually in him, uh, his capacity for violence. He discovers, um, a lot of people seem to think that this movie is more about, um, Dustin Hoffman's character, like getting revenge for, uh, his wife being raped, but he never finds out that she was raped in the film because she never tells him, um, I think that's something a lot of people miss watching this film. They sort of assume that he's like taking some revenge uh, for, for uh, the wrongs done to her. And it's not really that at all. It's, it's him uh, defending his home is what it is. He's more, he's actually more concerned with his new house than he is with his wife. Uh, And I I think we'll get into it, but um, he's not a he's not a particularly heroic character either. He's not a he's not a good guy. He's kind of and, an asshole to everybody, including his his out of his league wife. And mm-hmm. uh, well, and uh, I think both of these characters are flawed. Like this is a movie that is actually about a really shitty marriage and the really shitty things they do to each other uh, in order to try to hurt each other. Um, like Susan George, George's uh, Amy. Um, there, there is, you know, there is an argument here that there's definitely some misogyny towards her. Like she's definitely not treated very well and there's no real female characters in this film that are necessarily shown as anything but either cowards, dummies or whores. And Susan George is all three of those, by the way, in one character. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, um, that's sort of the point. She's really immature and stupid. David is, uh, a fucking asshole to her and doesn't pay enough attention to her. And they're, they're sort of really shitty marriage is what leads to a lot of their problems in the end. So, but, uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. See what you think. Oh, I dug it, man. It's the first time watch for me. I haven't seen a lot of Peck and Paul actually. And a lot, I haven't seen a lot of major filmmakers works. And I think that, um, that's going to be a catalyst for this year, this year's whole run of shows. It's crap, it's crap that I haven't seen. Not, not, this isn't crap at all, but stuff I haven't seen mixed with something else that I haven't seen that's probably more outrageous. But um, <laughs> So I was going to program shows real fine because I have a shameless as long as my arm. And this this was on until today when I watched it. And uh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman is, I mean, that, that, that character in this film, he's, he's just a he's just a shit. I mean, I, I understand mm-hmm. that he's, it really doesn't say what he does, but he has something to do with math. And he, he, yeah. he, was, he was, his job here for that, 
First of all, as far as, like, I guess, I don't, I don't even know what it is, but he's working on, like, this massive equation on this blackboard constantly. Yeah, he took a sabbatical to write a book on some sort of math theory is what he's doing. Okay. And, of course, he has this, this wife of his. Which, you know, she she's a good enough woman, but he's kind of a, an ass to her, and she's kind of, like, as far as, like, him wanting to get some work done, but she's always constantly fucking complaining and... Mm-hmm. Where's the cat? Do you find out where the cat is? If you're a cat lover in this film, a cat gets hung in a closet in this film. Yeah. So you might, you might want to avoid that. You want to avoid a little bit of that. And um, he's kind of a she's kind of shitting on him because he's kind of a, he is like a pacifist through most of this movie until the last twenty minutes, which is fucking bonkers. Because mm-hmm. this this film for me was a series of cues. Like there's a point in the film where he gets that massive animal trap. Yeah, and they set it up on the wall like a trophy, and like I hope this comes into play. I hope this comes into play when yeah. it does. He he chucks it at somebody and snaps their fucking neck at the end of this movie, and it's it's the brutality of this movie, especially the last twenty minutes. And of course, if if, if you again a warning you gave me never saw Straw Dogs. There's a very brutal rape in this movie. There's two rapes. There's two rapes. Yeah, yeah. and they they. I'm so- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, they run a train on Susan George. Like, yes, they, they do. Ugh. And everything's a trigger. I don't know what the fuck Peckinpah was thinking. Like, everything's a fucking trigger with this woman. I know she she sees these men, and this happens often. You see your rapists, something goes off in your head. But, like, party horns are making her trigger go off, and all kinds of crazy. Like, yeah, he just keeps going, cutting in her scenes back at this fucking gangbang that nobody wants mm-hmm. to watch again, because it's so, so ter- no. It's so terrible as far as the cut the subject matter. Like, yeah, just okay, it happened, and let's let's move on. Let's move on to maybe the tra- the trauma that she had, and and the fact that she never chooses to tell her husband about this because yeah. the the whole idea of he ain't gonna fucking do shit anyway. And you knew that's what she was thinking about, you know? Yeah, that, that's partly it, and also like, and it confuses him because uh, at the end he is protecting the town pedophile in his house, like he's. Yes. Uh, who is not only a pedophile but a murderer as well. Mm-hmm. He d- he doesn't quite realize it at the time, but he quickly discovers it. But um, she knows the reputation of uh, David Warner's character, and she just been raped by two dudes. So it's like no question why she wants him kicked out of the house like right away, but she can't bring herself to tell him why, and that just leads to more problems. I mean, if if she had maybe opened up to him that she had just been raped by two dudes that maybe he would think a little differently and, and kick David Warner out of the house and let yeah. the Bob have him, but she won't do it. And the interesting thing here is I think uh, Peckinpah gets criticized as being misogynist and there might be some, there might be some credence to that in some of his films. Although I think more, more so even though he apparently didn't have a very uh, positive view of women in some respects, um, he's much more just about putting stuff on screen to shock people and brutality on screen. He doesn't like to shy away from it. And he's just showing all these, he's not, you know, he's not necessarily punishing Susan George character and he's not, uh, uh, making Dustin Hoffman heroic or right. Like at the end, it it seems pretty clear that, uh, Dustin Hoffman's entire character is destroyed when he finds his manhood, quote unquote. Um, but I think the more interesting thing here is the uh, mob that's trying to grab David Warner's character as being the sick pedophile that needs to be destroyed. This mob is composed of a bunch of guys who just raped this dude's wife. Yeah, well, so a couple anyway. 
Mm, so they're all hypocrites. They're they're all a bunch of like nasty, shitty people, <laughs> and, and they all sort of deserve to die, kind of. So yeah, but they're all they're all being led by what I'm going to call a drunken Wolfman Jack. Mm. <laughs> he looks like Wolfman Jack. This guy, <laughs> which that, that's that's his daughter that 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 David Warner killed, and this is why they're they're it's like a real. Um, Assault on precinct thirteen situation. Yes, to to where they have somebody inside they want, and for some reason why some reason he uh, Dustin Hoffman will not give him up until the police get there and the police gets there and he gets shot and killed by these men, and because yep. he's not really doing much of anything, so they want that mob justice and they they'll get it by any means necessary, which leads to the the twenty minutes the last twenty five minutes of this film, which is. Uh, this is as brutal as it can get. I mean, you, you get the big the, the father coming through the window with this massive shotgun. Dustin Hoffman's arm, but only, only a fireplace poker. So he uses he, he he uses everything to his advantage. And I love mm-hmm. it. He goes to turn. But back to that though, he 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 uses the fireplace poker to aim the gun at his foot, and he blows up his foot, and they show the whole thing. Yep. And it's ugly and bad. He gets it opened up like a watermelon, man. Yes, it's just it did. Like... <laughs> He gets the hot oil on the stove, he throws it at him, that's awesome, you know, yeah. just a, it's only a distraction, really piss him off more, but the fact that he was able to use his surroundings around him was, was pretty great, and I... Yeah, the, the brutality in this is pretty, like, really inventive, and how you wouldn't think it would be, even for a movie from this decade, like, uh, what he does to the one guy who's trying to break into the window there... He wraps the guy's hands around with a with a metal wire and basically has him almost ready to uh, slash his own neck on the broken glass. Like he's got him stuck in a way where if he moves, he'll he'll slash his own throat. And then there's um, the final fight with the, the the final guy in the mob and they're fighting on the staircase. And the way this guy's trying to do Dustin Hoffman in is by basically pulling him backwards and stepping on his back to break his spine. Like, yeah. where, where do you see that in movies? Hardly ever, that Nowhere. kind of thing. Yeah. It's very, very brutal. And I, I like I like the switch. To mm-hmm. the point of, like, you know what, they're, they're not going to stop, so I might as well, you know, just try to do something about it. But it just seems, it seems not, not forced, but in a way, not believable. Yeah. Because this whole time he's just been like this pansy to, to the point of where he's just afraid to stand up to anybody. Yeah, that, that great scene where um after the cat has been killed and she knows she knows just who did it, mm-hmm. she brings a hey you you boys want a beer and on on the, on the same tray she has a bowl of milk to say I know what the fuck you done yeah you know and I just kind of fess up to it because my my husband doesn't have any fucking balls apparently and yeah what when, when he gets his balls is is quite spectacular but the whole time he's just being this this guy who's just accepting of the way things are like oh yeah. these these guys half the guys in town either fucked or want to fuck my wife oh well just go with the changes you know mm-hmm. it just seems like that that real type of like you know just settling for for this situation and in a way and he really should have been standing up for himself more just to make that last 25 minutes a little bit more believable yeah yeah that that is that is a bit of a stretch um but still, it it is 
it still kind of works in the end just because the the final 20 minutes are so well done. Oh yeah. And like after he after he beats them and there's only the one guy left who shows up again but before that he's like he's like holy fuck I got them all. Like he's he's actually surprised by by what he actually managed to do. He's actually kind of happy with himself and surprised that he managed to beat all these guys, you know. And in some other movie, you know, you you would he would have found out that she was raped by these men and this yeah. is what this would have been the switch of him, okay, now I'm I'm done with these assholes. Let's do this kind of thing. If this is more of a bombastic action flick, yeah, but it's not really a bombastic action flick, except for some some would argue the last twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's that. I think it's more of a this. What would you do in a desperate situation like this? Yeah, this it's just is what a... you did in a desperate situation like this. Yeah, it's just it's just a like. It's really it's it's not the it's not part of the rape revenge genre. It's part of the uh, home invasion genre, is what it is. It's more of a uh, you know more of a assault on precinct thirteen. Uh, modern example would be something like the Strangers or um, Green Room. Even would be a good example of this the same kind of idea, um, and it's really well done. Like. People people shit on this film, but it's probably the most well-made, wide-released exploitation film from the 70s in, in a lot of respects. Because basically, deep down, that's what it is, is an exploitation film. It just happens to have Sam Peckinpah fucking doing it. <laughs> I mean, it does a lot of things right. It does The setting is, is phenomenal. They use the setting to, to every advantage. And mm-hmm. I think that that works really well in its detriment. It, if it wasn't like this... Like there's a remake out there we're talking about off air from 2011 that has a great cast, but I doubt that they used a setting like this to really bring it home. Right. I'm kind of wondering. Uh, I actually I'm curious to watch that now. Now that you brought it up, um, I'm I'm kind of wondering if they change anything in it. Like if for in modern sensibilities, if they change it enough to like where the Dustin Hoffman character discovers that his wife was raped in, in that version. It's it's 2011, so I'd imagine, yeah, or, or yeah. maybe it didn't happen at all since it was 2011, but if this was made in 2011, that would have been the, the, the thing that made him snap. Mm. I mean, because they've, they've, they've remade this, like, both the sort of home invasion and the the rape revenge stuff has had like a lot of remakes in the last few years. Like you mm-hmm. had the, uh, I spit on your, I'm, I'm pretty sure I spit on your grave was remade. Um, and those, those films aren't bad actually. They're not, they're not the original, but they're not bad. Yeah. And last host on the left that was remade. Mm-hmm. So, so there, there has, there has been sort of, um, that sort of reimagining remake of these sort of, uh, exploitation films from the seventies. So, yeah, if it was made now, though, it would be, they would he would totally found out. That that's why that she was raped, and that's that's what makes him go off. But I, in retrospect, I like I like the fact that it's more like a back up against the wall situation. Mm-hmm. These men are not going to give this up. But but if I was a a, per, a person that heard all this stuff about this Frankenstein motherfucker that could take on me and my girlfriend with one swing, I I I would say take him. You know, just take mm-hmm, him because. Yeah. He's not a good person. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot I mean, of folks who are good people in this movie, though. So yeah, I mean, even when even when Hoffman's still defending David Warner uh, to quote unquote do the right thing um, and turn him into the authorities or whatever, uh, David Warner like at least twice takes a try at his at his wife. He takes a try at Susan George 
So it's like, yeah, you might want to get him out of your house, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not safe, and that, that's again, it goes back to that that pacifism thing. You know, we got mm. we got the sadist in the first movie, you got the pacifist in this one, or you just real milk toast dude, and then not not want to to rock the boat. Yeah, but uh, both of them are. Both of them are shitty, shitty dudes, and yes. and and that's another criticism that sort of comes the way of this. Like this is kind of considered a part of that sort of uh, um, rash of vigilante films in the seventies as well, where everyone goes like you know Death Wish and Dirty Harry and oh, stuff like not, that. It's not the same. It's not no. the same at all. It really isn't. And I, I mean, those films, um, half the criticism and most of it, you know, comes from critics like Pauline Kael and and people like that who. You basically disclaim these movies were straight up fascism, um, you know, being celebrated. And you can definitely see some arguments for that. But then you always have people uh, defending movies, especially like Dirty Harry and Death Wish saying, oh, no, these are movies that actually are showing the, the dark side of of when uh, a, a person sort of takes that uh, uh, vigilante role or whatever. Um, and this is this is kind of separate from those films it's, it's not it's not really the same thing i don't think and uh it's not it's not uh, fair to lump it in with uh some of those films yeah i don't think so either it's a it's shot beautifully you know i think it's it's, it's a it's a great film but again there's there's stuff in here that some people may be uncomfortable because the rate the, the the rape scene the very first rape scene is it's uncomfortable i was uncomfortable watching it just, mm-hmm. just sitting here watching it's like yeah they're tearing their clothes and just you know, no, it's, it's, it's kind of wrong to watch. They keep cutting back to it, so you get increasingly more uncomfortable because it just yeah. keeps showing it. And then it's, but again, is this the film that that starts a certain way? You knew, you know, where it's gonna go, and it doesn't really stop until the final frame. And so I gotta, I gotta give credit to both these films for that, for for all their, for all their their. What do you call them? Faults to all their their detriment, I guess. Mm. I, I, these are two exploitation films that that work really well. And I've watched I've watched the ones like you said, Lee, where they have like something happens that you got like forty five minutes of filler, and then yeah, the end you got something. These don't do that, so high recommend for both. But I'll kick it to you and ask you anything else you have to say about Straw Dogs, and would you give it one to ten? Um. I think the only th- other thing I'd say is uh, don't go into this uh, with its reputation in mind if you can. Just you know, try to give it a, a fair watch. Um, I mean, if some of the stronger material in it isn't for you and it's too much of a turnoff, then that's great. Uh, but, you know, at least at least give it a try and, and try to because I think it is unfairly criticized. I think it's got some criticisms that aren't warranted towards it. Um, there's definitely some stuff you can criticize it for. Like I, I think there's a good argument that there's quite a bit of misogyny in this film, but yes, um, but I don't think at the same time, it's necessarily saying this misogyny is a good thing or that that's the way things should be. It's just happens. It just happens to be like everything else. Peck and pop puts on the screen. He puts it all up there for you to watch and look at. He does. He doesn't shy away from anything, which is both a weakness and a strength of his filmmaking. Well, he makes it real clear that all the men in the film, maybe even the priest, maybe even the priest, is kind of a pig. Yeah, and, you know, none, yeah. Of, none of them are really redeemable because, as as far as he's not a great husband, but at the same time, he, he is very tender with her when he at the the post rape when he doesn't know that she's been raped, but he could tell that something is off. 
Mm-hmm. So when it comes down to like him being a good husband in that way, yeah, he's a good husband in that way because they have some real you know fine times together. But you can tell that she's she, he really of... like he really likes her when she's playing his schoolgirl fantasy. Like y- yes, it, yes, yes, it almost it almost feels like she's you know. Uh, like those uh, innocent high pornos or whatever, where she oh she's the naughty schoolgirl who stays after class with the teacher kind of idea. It seems like he's got a bit of that fantasy going on in his brain. He does get turned on when she wears her glasses a little more, and I, I'm I'm not in disagreement with him. Yeah, so, no, uh, I'm I'm right there with you, Dustin. <laughs> I'm, I'm a mark. I'm a mark for the glasses, and you know, yeah, it only makes things worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. F- final score on this. Um, it's not my favorite Peck and Pa, but it's up there. It's probably one of his most well-made and wise films at the same time. Even if it's one of his, is probably his most controversial. Uh, I'd give it a solid eight. Yeah, I'm right there with you, but it, may, it might get higher on another another watch because uh, probably the next time they have a sale, I'll probably pick this up from Barnes and Noble. The, the Criterion mm-hmm. release. Yeah, I bet it's real nice. I don't know what's on there, but I bet it's real nice. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it at that, and we'll come back and close out the show. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only a film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, tune in, and on your Android device. Which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break. Lee, uh, thanks, brother, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I think we had some good conversation on this one. Yeah, no, it was, it's always fun to be on, and um, thank you for having me. And uh, you got a, a great show, you and Daniel and sometimes others uh, do. Uh, tell the folks all about it in case they don't know already. All right, yes, uh, my podcast is called They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, and we do a little bit of everything. Um, we, we've sort of joked that uh, we're like the projection booth, except we don't have the budget, the talent, the uh, money, the uh, Hollywood connections to do interviews or anything like that. So we're actually not the projection booth at all, except for that we – sort of just do whatever the fuck we want to do genre wise. So although we do sort of gravitate towards horror and cult and uh, obscure films and stuff like that. But um, we, we do do a lot of uh, out there stuff. And if you want to check us out, we're at tmbdos.podbean.com. And also on there is my uh, soundtrack and score show called uh, blood on the tracks where I just pretend to be a really bad radio DJ and uh, play music from films. That's then. That's fine, you know. Yeah. Don't forget your your penchant for Anne Margaret films, and I I appreciate that mm-hmm. all the time, you know. We've been collecting podcast girlfriends, so uh, we got like Dorothy Malone and Anne Margaret, and uh, we we're we're picking up some others along the way. We're always looking for like interesting women who are starring in interesting films that people don't usually talk about. We we tend to focus on that once in a while, so. 
and Dan scantily clad in bikinis, and you know that, that's mm-hmm. always a that's always a selling point, you know. Oh yeah, we. I mean, as much as we uh, respect women on the, on our podcast, uh, we're all about seeing them dancing around in bikinis and stuff. Hence our uh, sex comedy series we do often as well. Appreciate the female form as long as it's consensual, people. Okay, exactly. Uh, yeah. She knows she looked good in the bikinis, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, yeah, me this show. And two Jake Venom commentaries you can hear on the Legion Podcast Network. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying those. Uh, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, is on horophilia.com. Um, not a whole lot more going on. The other stuff's still working. It's still still brewing, the Freddy's Nightmares and the the Wonder Years uh, thing going on there. It, it's going to happen, though. Hmm. Sooner rather than later. I guess I want to immerse myself in work and... So my, my brain don't slow down. I I, I hate for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we'll see you guys all next time uh, here on the Sin Beef Podcast, where if you got beef, we've got the grinder. Bye-bye now. Don't leave any bear traps on the floor. Drive, gravel flat.